0: Several questions raised about the role of the World Trade Organization, World Bank, International Monetary Fund. How do these organizations contribute to the paradigm of market-dominant minorities and poor majorities? What kind of role can these organizations play in the development of equity and fairness in free market economies around the world?
1: Well, the World Bank and the IMF, uh, in particular, uh, have been very, very closely implicated. Uh, you know, the United States has often worked through these institutions. I did a stint myself at the World Bank. Um, uh, and I personally, I admire many, most of the people, many of the people who work there, you know, very, very bright people, hard-working people, uh, economists. Um, but I would say that. Um, Yes, part of this pro-market euphoria starting in 1989 uh, was kind of taken to an extreme by these international organizations. And as you probably have heard, these structural adjustment kind of uh, pro-market policies that were implemented throughout Africa, Latin America, Southeast Asia were very, very harsh. They basically said, okay, you have inefficient subsidies for all this rice, fuel, water, so remove those subsidies because they're inefficient. We want to create a bigger pie. But the immediate effect of that would be to raise food prices for these incredibly poor majorities of the world. So they would go before market policies from being pretty poor to practically starving after these structural adjustment policies were put in. Same with privatization. I worked myself on the privatization, and I ultimately am a fan of it. But the short-run implication of privatization is that tons of people get laid off. So you have unemployment. So I I think that these uh, institutions did contribute to this exporting of a kind of what I call a caricature of free markets, that is, the sort of capitalism part without these other uh, safety net institutions. Now I will say that the World Bank, despite my being fairly critical of them, of them the book has invited me back to give many, many talks. And the book was a World Bank bestseller. So, so I don't know how that could be given. Um, but they, I think that the new president is, has, is very interested in poverty reduction. I think that there is a mood of, we need to do better. Because if you think about it, uh, what has gone right? Uh, Latin America is suffering tremendous economic problems. There was the East Asian financial crisis. Russia was a disaster. Africa's in trouble, and the Middle East is not doing so well. So I think people are actually in a mode, I think Americans are more thoughtful uh, now, certainly, than they were 20 years ago. You know, not necessarily being against what they did, but maybe we can do, surely we can do better. And that's kind of uh, where I am too.
0: Several questions about the development of the infrastructure of democracy. Developing the infrastructure of democracy, such as educational institutions, civic institutions, and markets that's occurred over several hundred years in the U.S. and in the West. How can the West export this aspect of democracy and markets without encroaching on the sovereignty of developing nations? Is the Chinese model of markets before democracy the best solution?
1: I, th- I think to me this is the um, another one of the harder questions. When I said I was optimistic, I, I'm, I'm much more optimistic on the market side, how we can uh, do better at promoting markets so i 've talked to so many business groups, multinational groups, a sense of you know it 's in our own self interest to be more responsible to sort of build hospitals and churches and schools if only for our own you know pop PR on the democracy side I think it 's much much more difficult um, and uh, frankly, my own relatives and most of the People, The Chinese I know in Southeast Asia are against democracy, very much in favor of Singapore's model uh, and China's model, which both of which brought enormous economic growth without democracy. Um, now, the reason that I'm not in that uh, camp, that is the let's hold off on democracy camp, although it's a, it, I, I take it very seriously and I believe that it could be best for certain individual countries. Um, you could get lucky. But the reason I'm not in that camp as a general matter is for this simple reason. And that's because after all this thinking, I cannot figure out how you could ensure that you get a beneficent dictator. I mean, so you ask for, you know, Lee Kuan Yew, Singapore's leaders, or even Pinochet. Some people say Pinochet did great things for Chile. Uh, but you might end up with an Idi Amin or a Papa Doc Duvalier or a Saddam Hussein. So it's for that reason that I'm ultimately in favor of trying to promote democracy, at least for the long term. So going to the, back to the question, um, I, I think it's I mean, as to how, I, I don't have a simple answer. I think that one of the problems is that democracy uh, in many countries today, particularly in the Middle East, could very well bring to power regimes that are not what we in the United States would think ideal. Anti-women's rights, you know, Islamist regimes, maybe anti-market regimes. Hugo Chavez again was, uh, was elected you know, fairly in, in Venezuela. Um, but I think that in some ways, the one most dangerous thing that we can do in the United States is we cannot call for democracy and then when somebody ele- gets elected that we don't like, remove that person in the name of democracy i think that is the kind of thing that just really hurts our credibility so uh, in an an op-ed piece i read from the washington post with respect to iraq i without coming up with a big answer i talked about maybe the best way to do it is to start democracy at the local level not democracy top down at the national level i mean in iraq right now you've got this hugely ethnically divided country all fighting for this huge cache of oil um, but if you think about the history of the United States, the history of Great Britain, our democracy started locally in towns and grew outwards. So I've talked about experimental democracy. This is what China's doing in villages. You know, um, learn, you know people have to learn how democracies work. Uh, so that's, that's the kind of thing that I'm, I'm toying with. And again, I think that democracy can't just be unrestrained majority rule
0: just a couple of seconds to respond to this final question from another one of our high school students. Do you think that even if we discern a solution, we will be able to fix things before everything falls apart? 10
1: seconds. Well, this is such an inspiring forum. Yes. (laughs) I think we can do better. I think we can do better. Again, let me just quickly say I think it's because we have a very, very, this is a moment of thoughtfulness for, I believe, for, for a lot of Americans crossing political lines. Um, and there's no guarantee. I have to say that you know, ethnic hatred has existed for as long as mankind, so it's not like this is a new problem. But I do think that we can do better. I think that if we, the first thing is for people like you to know more about, people, about other countries. I think it would be very useful to actually know something about the countries we're trying to help. Uh, and that would, be, uh, that would be a good place to start, and for that reason, I think, you know, we could do better. It's true. A lot of Americans don't know where any of these countries are, what the ethnic or religious structures are, and you just kind of airlift in a stock exchange and send over some ballot boxes. I believe that we can definitely do better.
0: Thank you. Thank you Amy Chua.